Welcome to a new episode of Troped Out, a podcast where we talk to your favorite and future favorite authors. Today, we are talking with USA Today bestselling author Tina Moss. She writes urban fantasy, paranormal romance, and sci-fi romance. Tina lives in New York City with a supportive husband and her corgi bear, though both the males hog the bed and refuse to share the covers. Her corgi Chuck now lives in her heart. When not writing, she enjoys watching cheesy horror flicks and traveling. As a 5-1 Shotokan black belt, Tina firmly believes that fierce things come in small packages. Tina, welcome to Trubbed Out Podcast. We're so glad you're with us. And we like to kick things off by asking, what are you reading and loving right now? Hi, thanks so much for having me. And I must say that hearing that bio read out loud makes me realize exactly, as the kids say, um, how cringy it is. <laughs> <laughs> they all are. You're great. There's no way to do it and not. Yeah. No, it's, that's just bias. The, the third person I like thing. It. I like your gorgies. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going for the cheesy factor, but whoa, hearing it out loud, I'm like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's even cheesier than I thought. Okay, so mine I wrote great. when my first book came out. Apparently, for like some Google book situation i don't know how to get rid of it and it's still out there and it always pops up and it's the one that pops up and i'm like oh dear god oh, fantastic dear god. the internet yes of the internet never forgets um but what i'm reading right now I, what i'm always reading which is uh alien romance sci-fi romance i've been living in that world for the past like two years maybe three at this point so the recent one was aliens mask by ursa dax it's book 12 in her highly successful series and I just recently discovered her, and um, now I'm a, a, the biggest fangirl. I have sang her all of my love um, because I read all 12 books in, I don't know, a ridiculously short amount of time. <laughs> wow. It always impresses me when someone can write a really long series like that. Yeah, and it's not uncommon for the genre. A lot of, uh, a lot of series do go on for a while, or they have like a spin-off series which is fun, and that's kind of what I plan for my own writing, too. So I love it. That's right, because yours yours is a series, yes? Mm -hmm. Yep. So are yours, are they interrelated characters in some fashion? Like, how do they connect? Yeah, I think most in the genre, they'll have, like, a different couple per book. Think of, like, how traditional paranormal romance is. Sci-fi romance is very similar. But they'll have that, you know best friend or the the arch nemesis suddenly becomes the character in the next book so they're still like interconnected and and once you build a sci-fi world like you don't or I don't personally want to have to build another whole sci-fi world because I thought that moving from sci-fi to paranormal would would be fairly easy I was used to world building no problem forgetting that I now not just have a world but an entire universe to deal with and you have to science <laughs> with it not just magic but yeah. you have to science and it has to at yes. least sound believable yes. even if, <laughs> you know <laughs> yep, exactly. that would add a whole nother layer many layers <laughs> so knowing what we know about you that sounds terrible knowing what no, we, we know about you <laughs> that tina moss person that tina moss i tell you <laughs> she uh you love Star Trek, right? You're a big Trekkie. Oh, I am. I am a geek all around. I love it all. I love. I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. I love. I uh, just recently, which kind of makes me, uh, I feel like a little shameful. I just watched Firefly with my husband because I feel like that's classic. Ah. Um, yeah. But I and I absolutely loved Wait, it for the first for time? the first time. I had never watched oh. Firefly. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. 
oh, I was super, space western. super fun. Oh my gosh, it was it was so yeah, space western, which my husband still says um, can't really exist. I'm like, dude, your your problem is space western. That's where you draw the line, really, and all the things we've watched. Okay, right. um, but he really enjoyed it too. So we had a we had a great time with it. But yeah, I'm I'm a big old geek. I love it all. <laughs> it's like the perfect meshing of themes, though. Right. I think, I think it makes sense, Space Western. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, once I got over the fact they didn't have, like, laser guns because it's the year 2020, whatever, you know, it's uh, 2500 or something. I'm like, where are the cool space guns? Other than that, I was I was like, okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to go with it. It's clear that, you know, we're just meshing the uh, Wild West with in space and I'm, I'm it's okay. <laughs> so loving like geeky stuff and aliens and then being like an avid romance reader and you wrote just regular paranormal before you dove into alien romance so it wasn't that big of a leap for you no I take us through take us through that yeah. like when did you decide to start writing romance uh, alien romance that is a great question I think with paranormal romance I was writing Really, I was writing paranormal romantic suspense. I always used to say it was like criminal minds in a paranormal world. So it was much heavier. And I think I reached the point where I'm like, you know, I just kind of want to write something a little bit lighter, something that doesn't have as many subplots, that I'm not literally having to, you know, Google about murder and murder scenes, like just something lighter. And I stumbled upon Evangeline Anderson, who, if you think, you know, series go along, I think she's up to like book 50 in one of her wow. series. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Wow. And she's not a short writer. Her books are like 80,000 to maybe 120,000 words. So I I'm, don't know how she does it. Um, very impressive, very good writer. And I just stumbled across one of her books and I immediately became hooked because I didn't realize that, you know, alien romance was a thing. I don't know why I didn't realize it, but I just stumbled across it a couple of years ago and then instantly became hooked and just devoured the genre. And I'm like, oh, I could write this. This could be a lot of fun. <laughs> the thing I've learned is everything is a thing. Everything is everything a thing. Is a thing. <laughs> I mean, if Chuck Tingle has taught us nothing else, he has taught us that everything right. is a thing. Good old Chuck. <laughs> well, I talked about in uh, Fantasy Girls, our other podcast, about my cannibalism to alien robots pipeline <laughs> basically all these creepy scary books come due on my libby at one time and i like tore through them That's and then nice i read thing. one book that i'm not gonna even mention because i feel like i've been talking about it a lot people are probably annoyed it like broke me and i was like i'm gonna read something fluffy i want to read something weird and then i found like the first ad on my kindle was like ruby dixon oh my god like, sounds perfect click the world tiktok <laughs> has so been good. changed by ruby dixon <laughs> right look <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it for a genre that has like could have very complex things like, you know, politics, if you think about some of the more traditional sci-fi or warfare or whatever, alien romance is usually very light and fluffy and happy, which is why I think I just gravitated towards it because I think oddly wholesome. Oddly right? wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> You're right though. Look. It's true. They're like super is, spicy, is it though, but because I feel like I'm hearing a lot about alien pickles. Yes, they're, tell us about these. They're wholesome pickles. alien pickles. Come on. Okay. <laughs> they are made for for you know her pleasure, basically. <laughs> that's the wholesome part. Like that's and all the evolution. Alien yeah, romance. That's the future I want. Yeah. Books. You have these. I think basically the author is creating like the perfect 
significant other and they're just like oh that's how they exist that's like their whole culture a lot of them yeah a lot of them are like golden retriever types uh even if they're alpha they're very like warm and fuzzy on the inside you think of mr peanut butter yeah and and (laughs) of course they're always you know looking for the perfect mate it's all it's a lot of faded mates that's what i write as well a lot of that Mm. a lot of alien romance is um, and I'm a sucker for that. You know, who wouldn't be the the one perfect person out there who is exactly what you want and exactly what you need? Yeah, it sounds good to me. <laughs> so tell us, okay, if someone is going to pick up the Tina Moss book, do your books need to be read in order or are they just all within the world and you can just pick at random? And if so, where should where should they start? So if you're going to pick up the series, I would start with Aliens Captive. That's book one. And the nice part that I did with this is I actually led it into what's going to be two series from that first book. However, if you if you picked up a book randomly in the series, you could absolutely read it no problem. You just wouldn't have the backstory of some of the side characters. So if you wanted the side character's backstory, you can go back. But each one is a standalone. You can read wherever. Cool. And then let's do this too. So you've got your own books, but looking broadly at subgenre of alien romance, the whole galaxy, for someone like me who hasn't really gotten into this section of the romance world mm-hmm. yet, like where do you start? So obviously you, <laughs> but like wh- like what's your alien romance 101 reading list? Oh, so this is the easiest thing I'm going to say to do is go on Goodreads, look up my name look up tina moss because i have a sci-fi romance book list and there's like 200 books on there so that's just a good way to to get you going but some of my personal favorites off the top of my head ava ross ursa dax who i just named evangeline anderson tana stone um anna hackett ella maven ella maven also writes blue aliens so if you liked ruby dixon ella maven (laughs) and she's got blue aliens that are basically like a, a motorcycle club that's essentially what they are they're they're blue aliens on bikes (laughs) and and super they're all super fun again if you're looking for something you know you've you've dove too far into the dark romance land and you just want something lighter you can definitely come pick up pretty much any alien romance book and it's going to be lighter fluffier now if you go into the subgenre of monster romance you might start to get a little different (laughs) it's a whole new world So you would say that alien romance, does it lay more, I can't think of the right word, does it sway more toward like paranormal or monster? Or is it just like completely its own thing? I feel like- Except it sounds like with Faded Mates, that could be more of a paranormal. Yeah, Yeah, definitely Faded Mates is a huge trope in the genre. So that's going to be, I think if you're coming from paranormal romance, you're going to start to recognize that in alien romance. There's a lot of those elements that you're like, oh yeah, that feels familiar. Um, if you've never read paranormal romance and you're just coming cold into alien romance, then you're probably going to be introduced to like a whole different set of tropes. But um, yeah, I would say it probably leans a little closer to fantasy romance. And then monster romance is gets usually gets a little bit darker, just depending on what kind of monster romance. Some of them are fluffy, too. So <laughs> Let's talk about these specific tropes to alien romance, like within the niche. Mm-hmm. What are some things that maybe you as a reader and a writer kind of see that happens in like alien romance books that definitely wouldn't work in contemporary but Uh i know the one 
kind of okay. <laughs> Another one. It's not my favorite to be honest, but it's a it's a huge trope in the genre breeding or breeding kinks. And okay. Alpha Omega or Omegaverse. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with those. <laughs> they're they're very steamy. <laughs> um, there's also nodding, which if you're a werewolf or shifter romance fan, you, you might be familiar with. Um it also depends on how how far into describing these things you want me to get because uh <laughs> please let's just go all the way down you know you can't scare there's us there's gonna be a really you know wide gamut we're just we're here for the education i love it so. i love it so i mean breeding is pretty much belonging. exactly what it sounds like it's um with the idea of getting somebody pregnant, sometimes it doesn't actually result in pregnancy or some readers really don't like it resulting in pregnancy. They just want the hot kinky sex without that part. Um, and usually authors will give some type of content warning or trigger warning based on that. Um, nodding is can be part of breeding kink or separate from it, but it's essentially where the alien in question has a, ooh, how do I describe this? Let's say a it's like with a dog. Kind of. They do that, right? <laughs> kind of. Like, I know what you're talking about because I used to be a vet tech. Yeah. That's where I'm coming at. Yeah. Okay. It's basically like something around the base of the um, male genitalia that would lock the act in place for some time. But it's all very pleasurable, obviously. <laughs> okay. So it's funny because, like, hearing which I've, I've never read like that, <laughs> but like the, even the breeding thing, I would immediately, I'm like, I don't want any babies. In no. It's like, that's typically where I stand. Same. But it's funny where like, I, like as a reader, when you get caught up in something and then suddenly that's there, you're like, oh, okay, I buy it. It's aliens. Like I was reading this first book and she's like, just going along with it. And I was cracking up um, this Ruby Dixon book. I'm sorry. I keep talking about a different author, but um, it's the latest one that I've read. Mm-hmm. And I'm EJ. I'm cracking up from the one-liners because she's saying things like, "I was worried a monster was coming to eat me. Instead, it's an alien coming to eat me out, and like I'm dying." And at the end, he's like, "She will carry my child," and he suddenly she's like, "Well, I guess I'm carrying his baby," and I'm like, "Oh, okay, I guess you are." And like, yeah, that's it's it's definitely a part of the genre for sure. And there's like I said, there's some readers, and personally, I am not a fan of this. Like, you're you're not gonna find that in my books. Um, Anna Hackett is also one who I think has said openly, like, you will never find any of her heroines getting pregnant. And they're all like, you know, usually tough and have their own um, agency. However, you also have this thing called Omegaverse, which is alphas, betas and omegas. And usually the, the heroine in the story is an omega. And it has to do with cycles and heats. And it's very, if you've ever gotten into like a deep, werewolf romance it's very similar in like certain dynamics with like alpha of the pack and all that um but probably taken even further again this is all sub genres and and tropes within the genre my you're not going to get any of that in mind so if you're looking for those things i apologize but i i again uh, i'm light and fluffy tell us what we are going to find in yours yeah what's in yours oh well you're definitely going to find a lot of steam there's a, there's a lot, I, I try to, I think every book I've gotten like steamier with, and they were already pretty okay. steamy to start. I really like the dynamics of the relationship. So getting them this idea that 
you know, there's a fated mate, but what does that mean? They're automatically in love. They're automatically have this magical relationship. No, probably not. So what happens if you know that this person is the person you're supposed to be with, but you really don't know them that well? And you, but you're really sexually attracted to them. What does this all mean? <laughs> so it's kind of like that, um, along with which is like ridiculously crazy sci-fi type adventures. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like a great vacation. Like I'm like really looking forward to these uh, books. Are they in KU? They yes. are. They are in KU. Okay. Yeah. Great. And they're just a lot awesome. of fun. They're all fun right. to write. They're fun, hopefully, to read for the readers. So how could they not be? They sound like so much fun. Well, I hope I've given you an education on this crazy land yes. of sci-fi romance. I feel <laughs> ready. Yeah. Feel ready for it. Are you ready to and dip your in. toe in? Each Look, I'm going to be honest, though. I'm I'm glad that the one that I picked up at random because it was an ad was very tamed. Yeah. I would have been like, what the hell? And all <laughs> of the ones that I named before, all of the authors are on the tamer side. I tend to gravitate towards ones that are a similar writing style to me or tropes right. that I enjoy. I don't, I don't yes. go for this other round of stuff. I have read them, and kudos to those that enjoy Look, them. There's a book for everybody. Exactly. It's not yucking anybody's yum. That no. is great. <laughs> oh, here. I, you know what? I have to do this because I'm going to give a shout-out to them because I love them so much. There's a husband and wife author team, Tiffany Roberts, who I will talk about to the end of my days because they wrote a series about spider aliens. And now, Tina Moss, uh, wait. you were telling me about this when we were I drunk know. at a retreat. I was like, what? Because I'm going spiders. to convince everybody and you were like, to read you'll these never books. look at spiders the same way. And I was like, spiders? Because like, if I, I ever have to give Angling. an example of truly well done world building and characterization, I'm going to name these books. And Snared is the first one because it's so awesome. believable and well done and just shows like, you can pretty much do anything in your writing because if you conv can convince me that a spider is somehow going to be attractive, well, then you know what? You probably got a fan for life. <laughs> so that yeah, you know <laughs> what? Impressive. It's funny, like what will throw. I say a reader, but I mean me, like out of a story. I'm like all in on the weird stuff. Like I'll read it. I'm like yeah, yeah, and then there will be like some geographical thing off, and I'm like, that doesn't work. There's my line. I'm out of the story. <laughs> How did this person just randomly show up? Nope. The, like spiders? Okay, I believe you. But yeah. you ran into your grandma randomly on a street in another state? I'm out. <laughs> um, so do you in a non... Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. It can be romance. So like just in general, mm -hmm. not necessarily alien romance. Um, it can be like television shows, movies cartoons whatever do you have a favorite alien or alien world something that just kind of gives you the warm fuzzies Ooh, something that gives me the warm and fuzzies from like an alien world i mean if we want to go real old school and say star wars because who you know who doesn't love a good star wars universe and and original star wars movies I'm, i don't want to get into you know fighting anybody who might be listening as a Star Wars fan of the new movies, but like, you know, the original Star Wars. I think that that's kind of like a nostalgic feel, feeling for me. And then Star Trek, Next Generation. I love the new Star Trek shows. I think they're really, you know, well done, especially um, Picard. I think they're gritty. But like when I think of traditional Star Wars, I don't think gritty. I think wholesome and, and fun. And yes, we 
they take on a lot of heavier topics, but it's all done in like basically it's a cruise ship. Like the Enterprise is a cruise ship in space. <laughs> so essentially, that's kind of what I'm going for if I'm thinking like nostalgia is like you know the old school stuff. Speaking of cruise ships in outer space, have either of you seen any of Avenue Five? No. Yes. Yes, I started it. it. I'm glad zany. this is our, our regular go. You reminded me of something I started and then forgot it existed. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick it back up. I've Damn never it. even heard of it. Wait, what is this? Well, look, oh. It's a cruise okay, so ship it's, in space. It's on HBO. It features, oh, what's his name? He played House. So oh, very funny. Hugh Laurie. Laurie. What is last? Hugh Laurie. Yeah, Hugh Laurie. Yes. And um, there's a really good cast around him, too. Um, and basically, the concept is there's this giant spaceship designed as a luxury cruise but like the first thing that happens on the show is something goes terribly wrong and their course is put off by like one or two degrees and of course that means that instead of like a six-month cruise it's now like an eight-year cruise and so everyone starts panicking and then like shit just like gets worse and worse from there and it keeps getting longer it's it's very funny oh amazing um like right off the bat, kind of like crude in its humor, mm-hmm. but in a way that just like really leans into it. So that's something a lot of people like, and it works for the show. I will say this. Um, I'm not sure how far you got. I'm like halfway through season one. Mm-hmm. And it's really bothering me. Like they're doing a lot of like bit humor and plot driven stuff, but they have all of these like really deep character tensions. Like that couple that's like on the verge of divorce and they oh, both yeah. cheated on each other repeatedly and they just hate each other. And now they're trapped on this cruise together. This was supposed to save them, and it clearly was not working. Uh, like, oh, my God. Like, why are they not using these characters? Like, they're just, like, bits in the background. Maybe that's why I bailed. I don't remember. I think it probably I is. need to get back into it. Though. I remember it being very funny. Like, you learned that fun. the captain was, like, a paid actor. There's no captain. Like, nobody yeah. knows how to do anything. <laughs> oh, my God. The person who died when everything went wrong at the beginning was the real captain, so now nobody knows. Oh, oh that sounds perfect, though. That sounds like definitely a binge watch. It's Dude. very funny, and it's a great concept that I think could be done a few different ways that they haven't quite tapped into. Like, I'm just like, there's more stories here. Yeah. I did have do you that problem, though. Oh, do- oh, I'm sorry. I was going to yeah, say, I had that same Dating. problem. take three (laughs) no i was just gonna say i had that same problem though with house as much as i loved the show like Mm -hmm. hugh laurie's character essentially house was like the character and then everybody else was just you know in his orbit essentially so and yeah that's very true but you said do i believe in aliens i mean who do you believe in aliens? how could you not believe in aliens just looking at how big the universe is and how small we are in comparison to it i feel like duh there's got to be some something Something. out there in the infinite universe like what if we're like the smartest ones though that's that's terrifying (laughs) like the aliens other aliens are like it's depressing for us if we're the smartest. I know. It's, the dep- it's depressing for everyone else if there's someone else. Well, no, wait. That's not where I was going. <laughs> I lo- <laughs> My ruling has also worn off, so I lost it. Um, but no, I think the, the there is an underlying concept there around the idea that if there's more advanced aliens out there, they are so, so, so far away from us. Yeah. 
Also, why do we automatically think that they'd be interested in us? I wouldn't be interested in us. Like, I'd move. If I saw this, like, I'd be driving around. No, thank you. I think I'll stay far away from Earth. You people are crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's really true. And uh, I've been researching for a space opera recently. And so I'm looking at things like how much oxygen do you need to survive on a different planet Mm -hmm. before you just, like, can't breathe. And coming across things like, okay, but for life in general, you know, we shouldn't be assuming that oxygen is necessary for life or that anything that we need for life is necessary because you never know. Uh, And so along those same lines, extrapolating a little bit and rambling quite a lot, I, yeah, I think there's this idea that like, if there's other aliens out there that are similarly intelligent, then they would think similarly too and be curious and want to go exploring and all that. But like, honestly, I think there's a good argument to be made that a smarter species might not be as curious as us. Right? Yeah. Well, it's not always in our favor. And I think we evolve, evolve to our environment. And so we're so used to looking at things a specific way. And yeah. I think what makes like part of being human is a curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard for us mm-hmm. not to slap that on something that we see as maybe more yeah. advanced than ourselves. Right. We have to push sense? the button. Yeah. We have to taste the thing yeah we always have to mess with whatever i mean just the idea that you know that we're the most advanced possibly in the universe (laughs) is just i i take hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and douglas adams which basically starts out if you've never read the book as like you know and the earth was destroyed to make way for an intergalactic highway so that's kind of my feelings about earth (laughs) goodbye and thanks for all can't imagine that if there's an advanced you know species out there they're looking at earth and going yeah that's where i want to take my summer vacation like no (laughs) (laughs) so tina when you are not writing these alien romances and everything else and like you're like wonder woman all the things you do you also run a very successful small press city owl press city owl press is a small press that does big things it's published titles such as The Witch Collector and the Alice Ward series, along with many, many more. Can you maybe switch gears with us for a little bit and put on your editor hat and tell us what made you decide to take on such a massive project by launching a press? Um, Walk us through that. And you've done it so well. Because I feel like when City I launched, it was in like, what, 2015. And I feel like that was the time of the small press. Like they were popping up everywhere. And you had to be very diligent when you were acquiring author and like now most of those aren't there and city owl is like thriving i think um it's a level of masochism for sure (laughs) 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 i was uh in academia for many years before i started the press and i was a martial artist as well and both of those things require a level of masochism so i'm just convinced it's in my personality at this point um but in all seriousness i mean you know you two are both of uh some of our original authors which is super exciting um and and you started at our infancy you were there at the very beginning both of you so it's grown exponentially but i think the reason we really wanted to start it we started with the motto that still drives us today and that was it was going to be by authors for authors to bring the best books to readers And as long as that was our driving motto and everything that we've done, I feel like that's what's gotten us to be successful. Because in the very beginning, even when we were doing the market research and hiring um, the team that would be creating, because you have to have a startup team before you ever even launch. So 
which was like a lawyer, an accountant, et cetera, to go through the actual startup process of creating a business. We wanted to make sure that our contracts were going to be fair and equitable, and we ran them through the gauntlet on that. We wanted to make sure that everything we acquired was going to be put out to the best ability that we could at the time and only grow from there. Um, and I think like any company, we've had missteps along the way. None of us are perfect, but I think we try, and I think we always try to rectify any mistakes that we do make. We strive for transparency. Um, sometimes I talk too much, sometimes I don't talk enough, and I try to balance that. As, as you guys know, if you get me on a call like this, I can, I can talk forever about publishing. Um, and then I was just telling uh, one of our authors the other day, though, I forget because I'm in the day-to-day -day of it, what you don't know. Like, I just am yeah. automatically doing this thing, and I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. This is so great. And I forget that there's, you know, hundreds of authors behind the, scene, behind the scenes that have no idea that I'm doing this. Um, so it's really a balancing act of all of those things. But, I, again, I think if, if you just have your standing mantra and you always go by that premise no matter what you're doing, I think that's really the key to success or what has been the success for City Al. Yeah, I can tell you what kind of impressed me, like from the beginning, even now, is I feel like so way back in the olden days of Twitter pitch contests oh, gosh, when all these yeah. press were propped up, there were so many that it seemed like people, yeah. and I'm not like really casting shade. I am casting shade at some of these presses <laughs> that closed and have my friend's rights and their books are still up there and nobody's getting paid and it's just a whole cluster. Oh, no. um, I won't name names, but. And people felt it felt like a lot of people were like, "Oh, I can do that," and they just threw things at the wall to see what would stick. But yeah. it's always been my experience with City Hall from the beginning of how professional it was. And by the time you come to your authors with something, you have researched it to like <laughs> death. to death. So like you know all the the variables. Um, and it was a very I felt like it was a very safe move. Thank you. And, yeah. But, that's yeah, I mean, it was very clear, and it's clear in everything you do now, just how much you care about all the different authors and take the time to to talk them through things. And I just, I even remember in 2015, talking to both you and talking to Heather McCorkle, yeah. <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful editor, uh, about not just, you know, what this meant for my book, but this entire vision that you had for this press and where it was going. And it's all comes to fruition and it's so so cool to see oh thank you i appreciate that yeah. i think one of the advantages that we had is that when yelena and i started the press we both had extensive experience in academia and anybody who knows that world knows that research is such an important part of it so before we ever did anything having to do with city owl we we took like 18 to 24 months i forget exactly how long because it's been a while to just do research we, we, we wow. used our book. <laughs> we got criticized for that in the beginning, like, oh, you're publishing your book. I'm like, yeah, well, we're authors. That's kind of the point. But we used our book as the test run, like the guinea pig, because we wanted to make sure anything that we did wrong, we did wrong with our own book, because we weren't going to take other authors' books um, and do that and, until we were confident that, okay, we've gotten the bugs and kinks worked out. Now we can take on other authors. But the biggest thing for me, too, is these presses that – hold rights or aren't paying like listen every business may come across bad times and unfortunately some businesses are going to have to close or declare bankruptcy but like you have to be transparent about that and if you're going to shut your doors like release everybody's rights do a mass email it's very easy to do to to give those rights back and to make sure that people aren't getting stuck so 
that's one of my biggest sticking points is when I see like these things happen there, that there's no real reason for it. That people are just hold, right. trying to hold on to so equity to be greedy or something. It's, it's just not yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Or so. when you see a press close and some of their titles are still available on Amazon. So the mm-hmm. authors can't self publish them because the sign will be like, Oh, that's already out there. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> no, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> agree. Should we play? Dropped out. I, I think so. I have one more quick question. Sure. Can I ask it real quick? So it no. feels. <laughs> damn it. We're out of time. <laughs> EJ Winstrom said no. Thrown down the gauntlet. Bye. <laughs> it feels like uh, City Owl has really kind of found. Like, you've always been very interested in romance and your niche in romance, and you definitely still publish some contemporary titles, but it seems like. Um, you've kind of really settled nicely into like this fantasy romance space. And I guess that encompasses both paranormal, but also just Mm -hmm. straight up fantasy. Was this a conscious decision or editors acquiring like what they love? And that's like where their tastes are running now. I mean, we've always given our editors autonomy to be like, go and and just give us what you like. But it became so clear that fantasy romance, it's the number one genre right now. I don't think anybody right. can argue that. It's clearly trending everywhere. Um, and we were lucky enough to have like accidentally acquired some of it before it was getting really hot. Um, and now it's a matter of like making sure that those titles are seen. But we still actively acquire everything. So yes, yes, fantasy romance. But And we knew the market was coming up, but we had acquired it before it became a trend. So... I feel good about that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I see City Owl titles come through my book talk. So, yeah. yeah. I guess now we can play Tripped Out. It was my idea. Okay. <laughs> Why didn't you bring it up sooner, EJ Webster? Why didn't you tell us, <laughs> let's play Tripped Out? Why do I always have to bring it up? God. <laughs> I'll try to be a better partner. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so Tripped Out. It is for our listeners who may be listening for the first time. It is a game we play where we throw out tropes who are our guests and don't overthink it. You can interpret it however you want, pick your favorite, and we talk about it. Cool. And that's it. That's the game. Okay. You go first, DJ. Okay. Starting off with a classic, but it feels appropriate. So fur or fang, werewolf or vampire? This is always the hardest question. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I, th- this question is probably going to change. Like my answer is going to change every time somebody asks it. I'm going to go, I'm feeling, I'm feeling fur right now just because I feel like it's the closest to what I'm writing and probably has very similar elements that people will get. So if you're, you know, if you're a fur werewolf fan, come on over to aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any furry aliens? I feel like we're getting into dangerous ground there. Okay. never mind. Ignore it. <laughs> Ignore it. Uh, abort. Abort. There probably abort. is, but there's there's such a like a as you know a thing around the kink area of that. So I think a lot of yeah. people are you know a little a little wary, and I, and I understand the reasons why. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Well, back to the werewolves then. Uh, do you have any favorite werewolf characters? Um. I think Al Seed from True Blood. Also, Sam from mm. from True Blood were were two of my favorite werewolves of all times. Sam for the again that golden retriever energy, and Al Seed for the body. <laughs> Not gonna lie, oh, you know he's very pretty to look at. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. There's a lot to look at in that show. <laughs> I miss that show. 
I heard they were going to do a reboot. Are they? No. It disappeared, though. Like, are they still doing it? Oh, did they? I don't know. I want them to do it. I I would be down for a reboot. I'd be curious. I don't know if you can re... Like, I don't know what you can do with it if it hasn't already been done. Like, I'm probably ruined for it, but I would watch well, it. I'd as long as they don't tweenify yeah. it, I think we'll be okay. Because I've noticed that sometimes. Is, uh, mm. like, let's make it suddenly for a younger audience. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Please don't. That wouldn't work no. for the series. No, no. no. But I, I could see some, uh, some TV executive being like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> they actually... More money, new audience. Filmed, like, the original, there were, like... Several of the Baltal scenes were filmed in a town nearby where I live. Oh. And yeah, so I'm like, yeah, let's bring it back. That's so, so cool. Back so I have for your next question, mm-hmm. Pimbo with a heart of gold or sinister and dark and hated by all but the main character. Oh, gosh. Um, I can't do himbos. I just can't. I can't do it. I love oh. the heart of gold <laughs> part of it, but I can't do the himbo. I can do a certain level of alpha, totally fine, but the, once we get into himbo territory, I'm out. So I'm going to have to go with the sinister. And kind of like that energy, what's that TikTok they're talking about all the time where it's like the the hero will, you know, sacrifice the, the heroine to save the world, but the oh. villain will burn down the world for the heroine. That yeah. energy. Yeah, that's yeah. the energy I want. I'm yeah. down for that energy, yeah. <laughs> but it, I think the word himbo throws me off. Although I do love some himbos in theory, but I always think about Kronk from the Emperor's New Groove, and I'm like, I can't get past it. Um. <laughs> so, That's pretty accurate, know. though. Yeah. Do you have a favorite, like, tall, dark, and sinister character? It doesn't have to be in a book. It can be in any universe. He's not dark, but I would go with Spike from Buffy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel yeah. like he's got hmm. he's got that energy. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I Spike from Buffy. He's got a lot of problems, very problematic character, but he was also my basis for um, my paranormal character, Drake in Red Alert. So I, I have a I have a soft spot for Spike. Nice. <laughs> True story. Um, okay, so we recently had a new person join our team at my workplace, and something that we do, and this harkens back to the age of conference calls, and we've just kind of held on to it because it's a fun icebreaker. Uh, when someone new joined the team, we asked them to tell everybody on conference call, you know, what movie star do you look like? What celebrity? So that we have some sort of visual to go with your voice because most of the time it's just your voice and these people won't see you until like, the holiday party or something. So this new person joined our team and she was trying to think of her celebrity and someone else on the team suggested Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. And... She's a youngin, and she said, oh, I don't know who that is. And so I said, she's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did she say, also, I don't know who that is? Yeah. Then I realized I had aged myself even more. Mm-hmm. I know. What Isn't is it like, weird, right, though, right. that that's like, yeah. Like Let's that. reboot that. Right. Oh. I'm in for that reboot. Yeah. That would be. So, okay. Let me tell you, talking about aging yourself. Over the pandemic, <laughs> when we were here, I have teenagers. I don't feel old. Mm-hmm. I feel young and cool, right? Oh God. I even just hear myself say that. Um, but I have teenagers and they like watch all these TV fight shows mm-hmm. and they would die and they like, they would die for these shows. Like they love them, but they also are, would be so embarrassed, but we're talking like the flash and what's the Archie show Riverdale, like all the Riverdale, shows. Though. <laughs> I'm like, you need to watch Buffy. Yes. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. No. And they roasted me the whole time. <laughs> 
was like, no, it gets better. I roast Buffy. You do. Oh, I don't know. No. Okay. No, it's true. It's the, sad the first... you realize we have become our parents. The intros. We not. are those. I know. We are them now. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We're trying to convince the younger generation, but you don't understand how good this is. Mm. We we're them. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. I will say though, my parents were pretty geeky because we would actually talking about Star Trek. They would like I wrote the stuff we watched was like Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. Star Wars. Like we rented um on VHS. Oh God. Um. Oh. <laughs> From the 60s and 70s Star Trek, like the trouble with yes. troubles and all of that. So I feel like it's one of my yeah. favorites. I, I will absolutely watch original Star Trek. It's very mm. good. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this might be <laughs> too easy. However, <laughs> it's just such a good phrase that I'm put together. So we have to use it. Take me to your leader or take me to your breeder. Oh, God. <laughs> We asked Michael Mamey this. <laughs> Thought he was gonna die. I mean, well, I, I already said I'm I'm not down really for. Oh, uh, look, I'll read it, but I'm I'm probably not writing it. So it's gotta be take me to your leader. It's gonna be a little boring. Although take me to your breeder has a great ring to it. <laughs> you know, I think it totally depends. Like all authors kind of bring their genre to it, and so definitely from like a romance genre, I'm like. Back up, alien cowboy. Like, no. <laughs> and it kind of, like, in other genres where it has an ick factor and it's supposed to have an ick factor, and it's mm-hmm. not, I'm, I'm, like, reading it, which is, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but I'm like, Yeah, oh, like, yeah. if you read that, I'd like an ick factor. To, like, a psychological story. thriller person. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or even Octavia Butler did this great, um, it's like a series of novellas, and you can buy them in a single book called Lilith's Brood. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, and it's not a romance i don't know what it would be other than speculative fiction because mm-hmm. it, it and that's the big thing is these aliens the owen collie they have to the way they repopulate is they find a dying species and they intermingle mm-hmm. and it takes away so this is getting way talk about a tangent i'm going way <laughs> off on an alien it's aliens it's, it's, aliens. it's fine so it no longer to procreate takes like a male and female it takes a male and female and an owen collie and then you get this mixed up alien baby that's omega and, it, and it, it, it well it uh it doesn't go into the actual part of it ah, but it okay. explores i think the whole theme is like what it means to be human oh, like okay. it's very like i remember like really liking this mm-hmm. but then being like i can't tell people this is one of my favorite books about alien Six babies, but it's so good. I mean, it's essentially, and it's not going to be, you know, as well done as those are because obviously that's like a philosophical, existential types question. I mean, Octavia Butler is just yeah, like a genius. Like, though, exactly. Right? So if you have that in sci fi romance, it'll be that, but it'll be a lot more spice. Right. This was no spice. But okay. So you said leader, just to be cool. Yeah, be leader. To come back to- Take me to your leader. leader yes. <laughs> okay so this isn't really a trope so much as we are trying to find out if you're a spooky bitch or a romance babe <laughs> emily bronte or jane austen both can i have both <laughs> you can i you mean can i it. love them both honestly i i would say it depends on it's gonna sound funny but it depends on the season of my life or just the mood, because sometimes, you know, you're in the mood for dark and sometimes you're in the mood for light and fluffy and both. I love them both. 
Is it allowed? I agree. It's on the maid. <laughs> the maid. It, de- it depends on the mood. Yeah. It is allowed. Mm-hmm. I'll allow it. Oh. Although Bronte always has my heart, but you know. Yeah. I they. I mean, again, it's like sometimes a good Pride and Prejudice is um, I'm down for it. And then other times I'm like, no, no, no. I need my Bronte. I need my I'm Bronte sisters. Yeah. Those, those Brontes are mm-hmm. some, some fine troubled ladies. Yeah. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If I tragically die and you're not begging me to haunt you, I don't want it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's my. <laughs> Keep it. It's <laughs> fair. All right, our final one. Final one. Is it your turn or mine? I it's, lost. It's your turn. Oh, okay. Okay. The question is. Secret baby or secret alien? Oh, secret alien all the way. That's an easy one. Because as soon as you said secret baby, I was like, no, I cringed internally. Because <laughs> we get strong reactions to the secret baby. Uh, you yeah. must. It's got to be a love it or hate it one, right? There's well, and it again, well, it depends on the genre of the person we're interviewing. Mm, it means different yeah. things. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. That's fair. That's fair. is secret alien a thing? Oh yeah, secret alien. Yeah, definitely the host. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about the host. I read yeah. the host. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 100% awesome. No surprise. <laughs> we are almost out of time. This has been so much fun. Yes, thank you guys both so much. It was it was super fun. It's always great talking to you. You too. As we wrap up here, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you and connect with you online. Um, website, tinamoss.com. And I'm very easy because I am at author Tina Moss everywhere. All the social media platforms, same handle. And by the way, if there's any authors listening, you should have that all for for your social media too. Put it all the same. <laughs> Preach. Preach. This is so easy. All right. And that's Tina Moss. We'll put all the links in the notes. And thanks for listening. If you are looking for us, if you enjoyed this interview, you can leave us a nice little review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening, please. And uh, you can find us online on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Troped Out Pod and typo podcast that's right and uh we also have a bookshop at bookshop.org where we would carry at least a few books from every author that comes on the show so be sure and check that out until next time